Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Before you're seated tonight, I was just reminded of a conversation that I was having with my dad last night about being in the midst of a courtroom. And I don't know how many of you have been in the midst of a courtroom, but they can be quite intimidating, especially when you're in the midst of a felony courtroom where a judge has absolute control over that entire room. I mean, if you look at the guy wrong, he can just snap his fingers and say, off to jail, you're going and you have to go. Uh, there's more authority than what a police officer has on the street. You know, they have to meet certain laws, but for a judge, if you violate that courtroom, they can just assort this authority and put you in jail immediately. It's really quite crazy to think about the authority that's in the midst of that room. And I was praying in the youth room today and I saw the sign on this, uh, the, the wall that says that God is our judge, but he is also our king. And it caused me to think, you know what, that, uh, you know, even in the midst of all these things that we spoke about this morning and, and all of that, that we have a God who has entire control over what is going on in the midst of our lives, that he has absolute control over what's going on around us. And believe me, you know, if, he, if, he, if you're facing some sort of spiritual battle or whatever it might be, you are in the midst of the court of the high king, the, the judge who is over all that. And so he, he can let it go for a little bit, but my goodness, if you begin to pray, he can snap his fingers and say, you know what, no longer is this in your life any longer. Scripture tells us that the fervent, that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will availeth much. And that's what I just love about this church so much is the, the prayer last night that we were involved in here and what God was doing. And then you came this morning and then you come this afternoon and in the midst of the prayer room, you continue to seek God for the needs that are in the midst of your life. And God, scripture is clarifying to you that as you continue to seek him out, as you continue to reach out to him and say, God, I believe you for this miracle. I believe you for this change in my life. I believe this in my family in my household, I believe this in my city, God, I proclaim it and I speak it, that will begin to move mountains around us. It might begin to crumble just little by little, but it will move mountains around us in Jesus' name. And so I'm believing this prayer tonight that God wants us to pray for that here, that whatever you have been praying for, for however long it might have been, that whatever God has given to you, and you might feel like it's in somebody else's court, it's out of your control, and it very well could be, but believe me, your situation is in the court of the high king, and today he wants to make a ruling and a judgment in your case. He wants to take hold of the situation that is there. And so tonight, let's lift our hands and let's begin to proclaim that tonight for our household, for our families, for our city. Jesus, we proclaim that tonight, Lord, that this church is a prayerful church, God, that has sought you over and over again, Lord, that the needs that have been presented in this court, God, are before you tonight, Jesus, and you have spoken, God, that you are going to take hold of the situation and move in its midst, God. I am believing for your power to fall, God, upon every realm 
ground that is in this room, God. Lord, that whatever needs to be shaken, God, Lord, that it will begin to be shaken, God. I believe that you have control over any evil, God, over any wickedness, God. Lord, I believe that you have the power to strike that down, God, to take it down in every single life, Jesus, that whatever healing might need to go forward tonight, Lord, you are in the house to do it, God, and you are ready to rule and make a judgment, God. I believe that in every household tonight, in Jesus' name, if you feel led to pray for somebody, lay your hands upon them and believe it tonight, God. Begin to proclaim it to your spouse, to those around. Say, God, I believe you can do this tonight, God. I am in the midst of your court, God, not in the midst of the court of this world, God, or in the midst of the court of sin, but Jesus, I am in your house to let you flow. God, let that pour, let it move, Jesus, like a river of living water. Hallelujah, Jesus, God. Let that bounce in this room, God. I'm believing that in every situation. God, we're believing that. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. That's it, just give it unto him tonight. Just seek him a little bit longer. Just let his abilities come forward. God, I thank you for being a fair judge. God, I thank you for being fair in our midst, God. That these righteous people have sought you tonight, believing in faith, God, that you will take hold other situation God and it is through you and your authority God that these things have been taken hold of God hallelujah Jesus let that flow upon every life God let that flow upon every proclamation tonight yes Jesus we believe that oh we believe that tonight thank you Jesus oh hallelujah Hallelujah, hallelujah, Jesus. We praise your mighty name. Yes, Jesus, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. We can feel that power in the house tonight already. My goodness, God could just take this thing and run with it, and we wouldn't even have to worry about this, this, this thing going on here in Jesus' name. I'm believing for just a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere to continue to impact us tonight. This is just the start of what God desires to do inside of every person that is in this room in Jesus' name. You can be seated tonight. I know that you have been standing for a little while, but please feel free to let God reach and touch you and minister to you tonight. I am so honored again to be able to speak to this church, and I consider it a very, very high 
honor a church that has been such a foundation for my life and my wife's life. And um, we're, we're grateful. We're about to have a miracle inside of our life here, uh, this little baby boy. And, and we are so grateful and excited for what God has given to us in the midst of that. And, uh, you know, we prayed and we believed God and, and he brought him along. And so in Jesus' name, we're going to, much like you all, which was wonderful this morning, dedicate him unto God and do our best to raise him in the kingdom to continue to uh, see the work done around the world. And, and it's, it's wonderful, but not only that, many of you are my friends and, and people who I have met, and I know this trip is very brief, and so it's difficult to have long conversations with everybody, and so I apologize in the midst of that. But I want to say that, that just like these children that we're dedicating unto God, you coming here, you're dedicating your life unto him and saying, God, I desire for my life to be a part of that as well. That, that, you know, sometimes we want to get fed the message of, I missed it. I, I, can't, I can't redo it and uh, those things. And certainly there's things in our lives that absolutely we cannot redo. But I absolutely believe that God can take that and mold it into something for your future that you never understood or saw before. And, and, and so you coming here is, is part of that. I know this morning I was going to mention this a little bit, but in Matthew chapter 13, you see that there are many parables about the kingdom of God, but some of those parables are those about finding the pearl of great price in the midst of the field and selling everything to obtain that pearl that's in that field, or the treasure that is in the midst of the field, selling everything to go and obtain that treasure, that in this life, that is our goal, that is our possession to have, that God has given it to us, he's told us where it's at, and he says, now it's up to you to obtain it. But it might cost you everything to obtain it. It very well could. And if it costs you everything, are you willing to give that to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to do that? And I believe that everyone in this room here is willing to do that because you are here tonight. You are not giving your life to something else outside of this room, but you're saying, God, I desire to be in this place here tonight with you. And I'm thankful to be in the midst of, of you all tonight. I do want to bring a word that I think will uh, hopefully help uh, based off of what I kind of spoke this morning, I do know uh, that I, I kind of uh, touched on many topics in a short little amount of time. But I don't want you to walk away from the service this morning thinking uh, about fear, that we have to fear all these bad things that I was talking about. But that we can live in faith as we step out the doors of the church and understand that God is with us to do anything that, that he so pleases, that nothing is impossible for the God that we serve, and I have seen that so much more so stepping out in this faith journey and, and various things, but just the presence of God and the faith that it takes in certain circumstances sometimes can be very trying, but if we're willing to put that faith in him, he's willing to walk with us and work through those situations. So if we could turn tonight to 2 Kings chapter 13 and verse 14, I want to read some scripture here to kind of start this off. It's a story that many of you probably know. And understand, but Second Kings chapter thirteen, verse fourteen, is where we're going to let God unfold some things here before us today. Second things, Second Kings verse, chapter thirteen, verse fourteen. Sister Carnahan has it correct, and uh, thankful for all that she does. And the Carnahans, they are wonderful today. Um, we had just a wonderful day. I have to say, my family, you all have been so kind to us. And uh, I had some great food, Alaskan king crab, Jesus' name. I know I'm getting a little bit in the physical here, but um, 
so wonderful, yeah, to, to have that. It was wonderful then to bring that out. And then we, uh, we rode the, the little e-bike around the Carnahan's house today and almost didn't make it tonight because of uh, what that thing can do. So <laughs> praise God. We're here to see him do some wonderful things in Jesus' name. Verse 14 says this, that Elijah was falling sick of his sickness wherever he died. It's telling us he's sick of a sickness that he's going to die from. It says, Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him, and they wept. he wept over his face, and he said, O oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof. And Elijah said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elijah put his hands upon the king's hands. He said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elijah said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance. And the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For thou shalt smite the Syrians and Aphek till thou have consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows. And he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite upon the ground. And he smote thrice or three times. And he stopped. And the man of God was mad, wroth with him. And said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then hast thou smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. Whereas now thou shalt smite Syria but just three times. A challenging scripture here when you begin to read it. And you see various characters coming about in the midst of this. That Joash is in a tough circumstance. And if you will read the scripture prior to this, you will see that Israel is in turmoil. And you will see that Judah is having issues. And there's fighting. And there's uh, things going crazy. And you'll see that there's actually another King Joash in this story. But, but there's so much turmoil and fighting going on that this Joash in this scripture that we read became so desperate for his nation that he ran to the prophet who he knew was going to die. It says that he was sick and, and prepared uh, or ready or close to dying. And Joash, out of desperation, runs to him and, and, and pleads with him to, to help him in the midst of his circumstance or his situation. And many of you know the story. We just read it. But he pleads with him, and, and the, 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 the prophet hands him the bow and the arrows, and he tells him to shoot one arrow. And when he does that, he, he shoots the arrow and he says, look, this is uh, your victory in the midst of a circumstance and I want to give you these bow and arrows and all of them and I want you to shoot them until you feel confident. And you know, the, he didn't necessarily say that, but he just said, I want you to shoot these bow and arrows. And you would think that Joash in the midst of the circumstance would understand what the prophet is relaying. That I just shot the first arrow. The prophet said, I'm going to have victory. So man, when he's handing me all of these, I'm going to keep shooting until I'm out of arrows because there's going to be a benefit to every single one of these. However, out of fear, whatever it might have been, he only shot three different arrows at this particular time. The first arrow was that of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Aphek till you have destroyed them, is what he says. But Joash was handed the rest of these arrows. And whether we say that he smit the ground with them or he shot them because he had a bow, so he likely shot them, we do not know. All that we know is that he did this action three different times. And the man of God was angry with him 
after these three different shots. And he said, you should have went five or six times, and then you would have struck Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you're only going to strike and win three times. And scripture goes on to tell us that they did only win three times after this until the enemy was able to overcome them. Now, if you look at the story from the front, you, you can say, man, he should have just went to town and did these things crazy. But what we sometimes skip over in the midst of this story is that Joash was pleading with this prophet out of fear. That if you look at the scripture prior to this, or the scriptures prior to this, he wasn't doing many things right in his kingdom, in the, the place there. He wasn't listening to the word of God and out of desperation and saying, look, I, I need to come to the prophet and change something around. The prophet might die soon and I have to do something out of desperation. I'm just going to do this really quick and handle the situation super fast so that I can get the, the benefit and this, the circumstance that I need. He did these things out of being scared. And the problem with the story is that Joash did not do what he did out of faith, but he did it out of fear. You could say fear of the prophet dying, fear of the enemy overcoming, fear of what God might do to him because he hadn't been in the right mind with God up to this particular circumstance. But whatever the case was, he quickly grabbed the arrows from the prophet and said, prophet, I'm just going to do this three different times and, and it's going to work and it's going to be wonderful. And you know, the prophet might die. So I'm just going to do this as quick as I possibly can and let this be here. It, it, it's, it's amazing. And, and we see that Elijah was rightly mad with Joash because Joash was just doing this out of a quick panic and out of just this fear of the situation that was behind him. But God does not want us to do what we do out of fear. He does not want us to do what we do in the midst of this church out of fear. He doesn't want us to be scared of those circumstances that I mentioned this morning, but he wants us to live in faith, to walk upon the word of God as I proclaim this morning, that the situation that might be before you, it may be desperate. But as I said just a few minutes ago, and I specifically proclaimed that prayer, that the righteous prayer, that, that that prayer of a, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will avail much. What that means is, God, I'm not going to do this out of fear, but I am going to come every time to church proclaiming in faith and saying, God, you can do it. God, I believe in you for this situation. God, I believe in you that my church is going to grow. God, I believe that you're going to use me to speak to others. God, I'm believing that you can use my circumstance or my situation with my boss to begin to speak to others. God, I believe that you can work through me in the midst of whatever I am dwelling in. God will do it, and he will work with you. I was in my workplace here and in the town of Greensboro where we live and, and I started this job at this new place and I was kind of questioning why God put me there because there's a lot of turmoil and things that are going on in the midst of this, this workplace and what's happening there. And I, I was there and I, I quickly found that there was another apostolic inside of the building. It was really kind of cool to, that I've never been able to work in a place where there was another apostolic working with me. However, every time that I walked in the building, 
There's a man that sits near the front door, and I would say, you know, have a wonderful day, have a great day. I would just greet him so cautiously, just kind of as Pastor Carnahan spoke about the, the musician in, uh, in Buffalo over here recently. I would just greet him every day and say, you know, the Lord bless you. And pretty soon we started talking about God and what God was doing in the midst of, of circumstances. And, and he one day saw that I was wearing a suit because I had to speak at, a, uh, at our church that night. And, and he saw that I was wearing a suit and he said, why are you wearing a suit? And I was kind of thinking, oh boy, like, you know, now here we go. I'm, I'm a little nervous about telling this man about why I'm wearing a suit and all these things because who knows where it's going to go? Who knows what he's going to say? He has his beliefs and Sometimes people say mean things, and sometimes it hurts, and sometimes it, it causes fear to well up inside of me. And so, much like Joash in the circumstance, I'm like, I'm going to fire three arrows, and I'm going to quickly dodge, and I'm out of here. We'll see what happens over here, right? Fire the three arrows, get out. And I, I started talking to him. He said, you know what? Do you, do you have a, a video of this? And I, I want to hear what God does at your church. I want to hear your message. And I said, well, sure, they'll probably video it, and, and I'll bring it to you tomorrow. And so the next day, I hooked him up with the YouTube channel, and, and, and I sent it through uh, a messenger on the computer, and, and he got it, and it wasn't five minutes later that he came rushing over to my office and burst through the door, and he said, I have never felt the Spirit of God like that before. I have been desperate for the presence of God like that, not only in my own life, but in my church. And he said, I'm on the leadership team in my church and he said, we need the Spirit of God like this. He said, I want your phone number because I'm going to give it to my leaders in my church and I want to see if they will let you come and speak to us about the Spirit of God in this circumstance. It was something where I said, man, I can fire these three arrows and, and get out of this thing real quick. But for this man, it was something that was beginning to change the circumstance. And this was just recently. And so I haven't received a phone call or anything that that might be about. But what I'm saying is that if we will begin to get a hold of the bow and the arrows that God has given to us, and even if you are not on this platform, you can live it out before others that are around you. And you don't know what it might begin to do to somebody who you think think might begin to intimidate you. You might begin to say, man, I can only fire the three arrows and, and get out of the circumstance. But God is saying, I've given you a whole quiver full of arrows. It's your time to begin to use these to work in your circumstance. That when somebody needs a healing, you begin to pray and say, God, I believe that they can be touched right now in the midst of their circumstance. That when they approach you and say, brother, I need prayer, then you begin to reach out and say, let's pray right now in the midst of our workplace. Let's begin to see the Lord challenge and change the circumstances around us. God can use you to change atmospheres more than you ever have understood or know before. I know this morning that I spoke very bluntly about some things, and I, I kind of did so at the risk of things around, but I'm getting a little tired of some of the criticisms that the world can begin to throw at us and say that we are unloving and too hateful and too this and too that, when they don't even want to come in and understand that, man, I love everybody, that I am desperate for everybody to see the kingdom of God. And just as we had spoken this morning, that the methods are untried and untrue, but man, I 
know the methods that are real, that begin to work, that begin to move atmospheres. So I have began to lift my hands and proclaim what the scripture says unashamedly, that I want that confidence inside of me, that man, whatever comes before me, I don't want to be so timid or fearful of what might be there that I just fire the three arrows and leave and run away from what God wants to work through. But I want to fire as many as possible. I want to defeat the enemy and I want the slate to be clean before me. And you know the cool thing is that Satan will flee from you if you just begin to put up your hand and say, you know what? No longer do I want this inside of my life. And then the spirits, if those things begin to attack you, you can say, you know what, God? I pray a blessing around my house and as a result, they cannot impact me anymore. But Jesus, I want your presence in my midst more than anything. You can pray that in faith. You can take that oil and begin to anoint your household even if you feel like you can't pray anything for a prayer. You can begin to put that over your doorpost and over your windows and say, this household is claimed for the kingdom of God. We are not going to live in fear, but we are going to live in faith. Jesus told his people that with men it's impossible, but with God all things are possible. Let me again remind you the God that you serve in some of his titles, the Alpha, Omega, beginning and the ending, the Almighty God, the Avenger, the Bridegroom, a consuming fire, creator, deliverer, everlasting father, eternal king, Elohim, Jehovah Jireh, my help, my healer, my high tower, my hiding place, holy, judge, light, Yahweh, sovereign, majesty, potter, refuge, prince, protector, my rock, my savior, the sun, song, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Sabah, Yahweh Nisi, the true God, the true pasture, the wonderful, the one God. If one of those titles did not cover your situation, then I can give you a whole nother list. But those right there should tell you, you can live in faith. You have a strong tower. You have a mighty God for your situation. You have a healer who wants to work through. You have a scripture before you that speaks to your situation and you do not have to live in fear any longer. You do not have to come to church out of desperation, but you can come in faith and say, God, I'm believing for your move in the midst of the service in Jesus' name. We desire that, God. We desire that. Let's lift our hands here tonight, God. Lord, we proclaim that. Lord, that we have not came tonight, God, out of fear. But Jesus, we are coming out of faith, believing that you are the almighty God. That you are the almighty one, Jesus. And God, that you are speaking to these situations yet again. God, your power is flowing yet again. Hallelujah, Jesus. That whatever word, whatever title it might be, Jesus, you are the God who is the God of my circumstance tonight. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Lord, we believe that again for our city, for our lives for our families, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you believe that, let's praise him tonight and give him some glory. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated again tonight. So Joash was taking the promises of God and was striking the ground out of fear. It's so easy to come to church and say, God, I am just so desperate. And if you are here tonight and that's the reason you, you came at the beginning, that's okay. It's okay to maybe start out with a little desperation to get the pearl that's in the midst of that field and sell all that is there. But at some point, that desperation has to begin to transfer into faith. That fear has to begin to, to change and transition inside of our hearts to say, God, I'm not just going to do this out of fear. of I don't know when you're, you're going to, to hit me next or when you're going to look at me next or these things here. I, I don't need that fear in the midst of my life. I know all of you spouses understand the time that you, you, you do something wrong and your spouse looks at you across the room and you know, uh-oh, I've done something wrong. I've, I've messed up here and, uh, you know, I, I don't know. And kind of a little fear creeps in and you're like, I, I don't know what the conversation is going to be like later tonight or what might happen after service or whatever it might be. All your spouses can say amen at a particular point. Fear says that, man, I'm scared of that. But faith says, you know what, I'm going to continue to strive in this relationship because I know and I understand there's something better beyond the current circumstance that I am in. Fear says that I have to receive the Holy Ghost or else I'll go to a bad place, that I need to be healed or else this disease will kill me or my family will no longer heal me and, or have me. And, and sometimes we say my sins are too large to ever be forgiven. The hurt is always there. It will never go away that I'm never going to make it to heaven because of my past. And the internet says there's too much evidence disproving the existence of God. And so God, why am I in this circumstance that is here? So many times it's just how we look at these things that are around us. I was reading David Bernard's book called Anchor Points recently, and he spoke in there about um, uh, atheism and how so often when an atheist or somebody who does not believe in God comes to question us about God, we let them tell us about the God that we believe in when they themselves don't believe in a God. It causes that, that mindset. I kind of read that and I was like, you know what, that, that's so true. Somebody will come to you and say, well, why does your God let disease go throughout the whole world? Or, or why does your God do this? Or what, what about this with your God? Or why does your God do this? And they'll begin to put God inside of this box that, that has been formed. And, and certainly I'm, I'm speaking to the, the spirit of atheism or, or the oversight. I'm not criticizing a particular person or group of people. So please don't misunderstand me here tonight. But what I am saying is that so many times we let people approach us and we begin to let it put us in a box of fear in the corner and we forget how grand our God truly is in these words that we just read. But that's why we can begin to memorize these and hide these things deep down inside 
of our hearts. That's why we can begin to let God put a boldness inside of us. If you don't believe in that, you can ask Brother Good what Jake and I were like when we came to a Sunday school class. And we didn't want to go because he looked mean and scary. And we didn't know what to think of Brother Good and what he was going to do inside of that class. We went there and, and man, we, we, we loved the games and so that kind of drew us in for a little bit, but still, he couldn't get words out of us. He'll, he'll tell you that, that it was difficult for us to even speak. And then somehow, now we're here standing in the midst of a group of people and challenging and proclaiming the word of God. It's how God can take something that is so incredibly different. And back then, people could have said, Brother Good could have said, man, you know, these kids are too shy. They will never speak. They will never amount to anything and left us in the corner. And we might have stayed in that corner of fear. When instead, Brother Good reached out and said, you know what, I'm going to encourage them to seek the word of God. And then he began to encourage us and push us towards Pastor. And Pastor began to see that, and he began to speak to us and encourage us and grab us and move us forward from fear to faith, going from the place where we were scared to saying, you know what, I can freely proclaim this because the word of God says it. That unlike Joash, I don't want to strike the ground out of fear, but God, I want to be here for your miracles and the things that you are going to do. Not that I'm commanding you, God, but that I am believing in you that it is going to happen because your word says it and you are going to get that glory in Jesus name in fact I feel right now that we can pray against that spirit of fear that has came before us and might come this week in Jesus name let's lift our hands God we believe you God, that if there is anything that ever intimidates, God, any inside of this church, God, that you would remove it, and God, you would fill that with faith. God, I proclaim that in every household, God. Oh, let it be, Jesus. God, that this city is going to be changed. It's going to be turned upside down. God, it's going to be before your kingdom. God, we magnify you. Yes, Jesus, remove it from our hearts, Lord. We want to proclaim you as the great and almighty God. Hallelujah. Jesus, it is done. It is dismissed, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You can be seated again tonight. I know that I'm having you pray tonight. But again, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You're making ground. You're gaining something that you haven't gained before tonight. I'm gaining something that I have not gained tonight. 2 Timothy 1 and 7 tells us that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. My goodness, we love that word power sometimes when we begin to think about it. Man, the power of the Lord. But you know, those last two words are wonderful as well. Love. My goodness, something this world desperately needs when these wars and all sorts of things are going on. It's horrible. It breaks my heart to see the circumstances that people are in the midst of. But not only that, but a sound mind where my mind can be okay with these things. Where again, I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to go to bed at night fearing what happened that day. 
I don't have to go to bed fearing what the doctor told me or what the doctor's going to tell me the next day, but I can pray for a sound mind. It's something my wife and I do often is that, God, we want our minds to be pure for you and trust in faith as the steps with this child and this baby, many doctor's appointments and many things that could go wrong and some results go this way and some results go this way, but we say, you know what? It doesn't matter that the result came back that way because we serve an almighty God and I am not going to live every night in fear of what's going to be there, but I'm going to proclaim in faith that it is a healthy, wonderful baby in Jesus' name. We can proclaim these things in faith to these circumstances that we walk in around us. We can speak it into others' lives and say, God, I believe it in their circumstance as well. God wants and desires to use you. I want to tell you one more story, and then I will likely begin to come to a close here tonight with a couple more scriptures. But I remember traveling to the country of Belize, and we, we went to this, this uh, village that was very remote uh, on these rickety roads where we had to get out of the bus and walk because there were no uh, actual roads going to these locations. And we came uh, to this church that we were going to help in the midst of this place, no running water, and, and, and there's trenches that are dug on the outside of this church that are the, the sewer, where the sewer runs, that people just use the restroom and that, that thing, and it just runs down. And I remember it's, it was about four feet deep, and we came up to this, and they had a little uh, board just running across here. And they said, hey, uh, you know, you, you have to, to walk across this board to get to the church on the other side. And you could see it on the other side. And I remember thinking, oh God, this here is going to take an immense amount of faith to trust that this board it's going to hold my weight over this, this, this sewer and these things that are here. And it did. We got to the other side, and we were there just to paint this church for this, this day. And I remember there was this group of people that came to us out of desperation and just saying, we need your help. We have two people who are horribly sick in the midst of our house, and they are just horrendously sick, and they won't get up out of bed. All that they're doing is just laying there, and we need you to come and pray for them is what our translator was telling us. And, and I began to think, well, great, you know, there's a pastor here at this church. He's the pastor. I'm going to refer them to the pastor because I, I believe that their pastor can do what needs to happen here. And so they went to the pastor, and then the pastor came back to us, and he said, no, you are the people of faith that are here, and I believe you are the ones that need to pray for these that are sick inside of this hut. And it was intimidating to us because there's this entire group of people who are living in a very desperate situation saying, you are the one that God has sent to heal our family members. And so I remember that fear trying to creep in inside of me and saying, God, you know, what if it doesn't work? What if it doesn't happen? What if things don't, don't move? God, I just don't know. And so I grabbed a friend that was there, David Johnson is his name, and, and I said, David, you know, we're going to have to go and pray for these people. And my other thought was, man, we're in the midst of this remote area. If these people are truly sick with some illness, and I catch it, I don't have a doctor to go to, to 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 take medicine anymore. I don't have somebody to heal me if I catch this disease that is knocking these people out as well. It's going to take a long time to get to a medical facility that can actually treat something like that inside of me. So I had all these fears beginning to creep in and saying, God, I, I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed with this. But I grabbed David and I said, David, we're going to have to go pray for them. 
And he, at that time, I'll be honest, I was thinking, man, maybe we'll pray around the outside of the house and call that as good and, and, and just say, God, bless this house and pour your, your healing power inside of that house. But when we got there, they quickly opened up the door and invited us into this house and pulled us in. And it was just a, a little uh, house. It was probably not even half the size of this platform was their entire house. It was an incredibly tight room. And they had a hammock hanging this way and one in the middle on this wall and one on the ceiling over here so that they could have enough beds for everybody inside of this, this, this house. And on one of those hammocks, there, there was a, a girl. And on the other hammock, there was another girl. And they both were not moving. They, they weren't opening their eyes and you could tell that they were sweating profusely and they were incredibly sick and I remember them saying we need you to lay hands on these to as the scripture says and I began thinking oh God the scripture says that but my goodness here's my fear again and so we just had to step over that and say God I believe that you could do something in the circumstance and I remember when we transitioned from that fear to that faith that we knew the power of God was in our midst to do something powerful. And we laid hands on them and we said, in Jesus' name, we proclaimed his name, we proclaimed his healing power over them, and they did not instantly sit up. But we received word that they were healed and went to service that Sunday from the sickness that they were dealing with because of what God did in the midst of that circumstance there. I say this here not because I stand before you as saying that you need to be like me, but what I am saying is that God has a circumstance like that for you, that there is somebody in your workplace, somebody that you contact every day in the supermarket, somebody that you walk by and you don't know it, but they are reaching out to you saying, Brother Mike, you are the one that can heal this person in my life, and I need you to be faithful in the midst of the circumstance. Brother, I don't need you to be fearful, but I need your faith in my circumstance to heal this person here. And you don't know what would begin to reach and change and challenge this city in many different places. You don't know what that might begin to grow into, that when somebody was supposed to be dead, but they show up for service that next Sunday morning, how that will set the community on fire like never before. And we can't let fear begin to creep in when the new news media begins to come and say, you know what, this is the place where this person was healed. And they begin to say things and make fun and do all sorts of things. But you know what? I'm not intimidated by that circumstance. I am not going to live my life in fear, but I am going to live my life in faith, proclaiming the scripture that God has given to me like never before. That as this world gets into desperate times, I am going to get desperate for Jesus, and I am going to let him work through me to reach those that are around me. And God is going to do that for you. He is going to do that for this church, and he is going to move in a miraculous way. Again, to remind you, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man will availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed 
earnestly that it might not rain. He changed the atmosphere over an entire nation that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Let me remind you that he wasn't something special, but he was like you and I. He was a man, a righteous man, who was willing to pray fervently before God and say, God, I am believing that my prayers are going to do something. I am not going to live in fear, but God, I am going to pray unto you in faith and I'm going to continue to do it and I'm going to do it every day in the morning God in the night Jesus I'm going to come to church before service and get into prayer and begin to seek you out because again I am going to live in faith Jesus I'm not going to step into the service in fear of what is around me but I am going to live in faith in Jesus name if we could stand here tonight musicians I will invite you to come. In this service tonight, I do not have any physical arrows to hand you and say, fire these arrows. But let me tell you that God is here to hand you the arrows tonight. That what you walk out of this building with will not leave you when you go home unless you only fire three arrows tonight. But if you are willing to draw back and say, God, I believe you can use me to heal somebody, fire the arrow. God, I believe you can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost and fire that arrow. God, I believe you're going to guide me to somebody so they can be baptized. Fire the arrow tonight. Come on, tonight is the night that if you need a healing, you can begin to draw back and say, God, I desire that healing tonight. Fire the arrow. God, you are going to use me in a mighty, miraculous way. Draw it back. Fire that arrow and it will not leave you tonight but it will be there tomorrow morning that power and authority will be upon you you are welcome to come down to this altar tonight and begin to draw that before God begin to smite that before him and say God tonight I give this to you God I smite the ground Jesus with all authority and power I proclaim this tonight begin to drop back and fire those arrows come on begin to proclaim them unto Jesus tonight oh yes Jesus we believe it tonight oh we believe it tonight oh yes drop back let it be inside of your life he is doing it tonight oh he is doing it tonight Darkness trembles, mountains crumble. When you draw near to us, you draw near to us, strongholds breaking.